Welcome to Healing Wisdom, a Thursday morning talk show featuring guests sharing their stories and knowledge. We discuss the healing aspects of the arts, metaphysics, social justice, and adventure through all types of terrain. So join me, Pandora Peoples, here on WOMR 92.1 FM in Provincetown and WFMR 91.3 FM in Orleans. We're streaming worldwide at WOMR.org. Hello out there, Provincetown. Province towners and beyonders. I'm speaking with LGBTQ filmmakers Don Mickelson and Carrie Pickett of the award-winning documentary Finding Her Beat, along with producer and executive director of Taiko Arts Midwest, Jennifer Weir and drummer artist Megan Chas Smith, who are both featured in the documentary Finding Her Beat debuts in Vancouver tomorrow and will be in cities from LA to Boston in October. Finding Her Beat captures a concert of female Taiko players from around the world. Welcome all. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yay. It's a moving story. You know, I was crying when it got, you know, just when it got started and I was like, oh, and it just kept coming. And I was like, oh, when is this going to stop? <laughs> uh, so it was awesome. Um, and, and I sucked it up for the rest of the film. But uh, it's a story about smashing gender roles and shifting power. For thousands of years, Japanese taiko drumming was exclusively done by men. And it came to America in the late 1960s. And I would love for you to talk about, you know, Don and Carrie, how you first in encountered taiko drumming and when did you first meet jennifer well i will start um i'm dawn <laughs> you know, i first met Jen- jennifer over 20 years ago uh and we have been friends ever since yeah so i've been you know watching her career growing with taiko over the last 20 years or so and um starting as something small and obviously jen can speak to this far better than i can but uh starting as something small and turning it in, into what it is today which is profound. And I've been so honored that we were able to make this piece together to really share this message globally. Dawn and I met at a films. Well, we've known each other uh, in the fringes of the film community, but we really got to know each other during the Film Fatales meetings, which Film Fatales is a national organization of women who have directed a feature or a series on television. And so when Dawn approached me about this project, I knew a little bit about Tycho because I had photographed Theater Moo and had seen Tycho in Theater Moo. And so I knew I loved it and I knew it was just visually spectacular and an art form and I'm interested in family and community and people who are uh, writing a wrong and Jen and Megan's adventure to pull together her beat um, was right up my alley. And so I feel really honored to be a co-director with Dawn on this project, her fabulous idea. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I actually remember my parents had very few dates. And I remember I must have been because we were at a certain house in Venice, California. I remember them telling me about these stand up drummers because they love drumming. And they were like, we're going to go sit on a date and we're going to see these drummers. And <laughs> and my mom talked about how powerful it was. And, you know, she she uh, they always invited friends over and, you know, it would just be a house full of uh, male and female drummers. And I just remember how inspired and empowered she felt after coming back after seeing a performance of Tycho drummers. It's, it's memorable. It's so important. And it's such an 
empowering thing to witness the the physical power behind it because of how much it's it's a fully embodied thing. And there's a there's a part where Jennifer gets sick in the <laughs> film and um, she's giving a little lesson to Megan about the physical movements behind it, which is which is very cool. So I would love for you to talk about the drumming as an embodied experience. So, you know, the one thing that I think is really interesting about sort of living in today's world is, is it's really easy to get disconnected from your body, to be sort of, a, as Don has said in the past, like a floating head um, walking around and, you know, in our devices and in sort of all of the lists and tasks and things that we need to do. But the, just a simple act of fully being present in your body can be in some ways especially if you've been through any kind of trauma, really challenging and sometimes even terrifying. And I think um, one thing that's wonderful about Tycho is that it's a practice that helps you build a really healthy connection and your whole body becomes part of the relationship you create with the drum, as well as sort of this relationship, honestly, that connects you to your ancestors and to kind of the larger world. But we find that Tycho drumming, not only as sort of a dynamic, you know, powerful performance art, but it's also really a, a healing, centering, and for me, meditative process as well. And um, Megan, I think, can speak even more deeply to that. Yeah, uh, well, first, I'm psyched that we're like in Provincetown. Like that's my old stomping grounds. I was, uh, since we're talking about healing wisdom too, I actually was homeless as a gay teen and Provincetown was like really important to me. So I'm super psyched about that. And in terms of drumming, yeah, like, so I lost my family as a queer youth and the drums were a way for me to kind of supersede that and reach for my Asian ancestors and be true to me and be powerful and what because when you get up to the drum there's no hiding you're gonna be there and you're moving and there's huge sound coming so yeah it's it's been just and I love that it's a, like I could spend 10 lifetimes on it and still be a sucky beginner <laughs> um so it's just this wonderful journey and path and um amazing opportunities on top of that for me to live in Japan in a bamboo forest for 12 years and go professional there and really get into the deep like connection to the natural world and the human world and the spiritual world all in one. Yes. And in the film, we find out that you wound up on crutches after that experience, but you, you just to talk about reconnecting and you don't go back to it. I'm, I'm like so super curious. <laughs> <laughs> what, what the heck happened? Because it just sounds like a really intense spiritual initiation in the forest and then you're on crutches. Yeah, well, it's funny because in Japan, there is, I, I don't recall the word, but there is a whole purification ritual that goes back hundreds of years where people would um, climb mountains to purify themselves. And um, every year and it was, it's super intense. And so I was looking for a really like, the real deal um, to be able to learn from kind of the Japanese heart of the art form. And so I was able to go um, and yeah, it was intense. Like we trained 11 hours a day and it was more intense because I was like double the age of all of the new apprentices. Um, and so like we would get up at five 30, run six miles in the mountains and then train another, I don't know. <laughs> 11 hours and we got one day off a month and I was so nervous because I I my body didn't feel right so I went to the local 
doctor who wasn't really a doctor, but was the only <laughs> sort of helpful person <laughs> within two hours. And uh, he said, oh, here's a pair of crutches. This happens to all of the apprentices. And um, he said at one point there were five on crutches just because of the intense training. And I was like, oh, they're going to be so mad at me. I'm going to get in so much trouble. They're like, oh, that's fine. You know, good job. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Wow. That is very cool. Throughout the film, we see that these women taiko players have encountered a lot of estrangement from family, sexism. You know, um, we learn that taiko was performed at festivals and shrines and before being performed on stage. I would love if, if anyone wants to talk a little bit more about that spiritual side before. Kaoli Asano, the founder of the group Goku Taiko, featured in your documentary, says that she has the experience of a very energetic experience. And you mentioned just now that you connect to the ancestors that way. So I would love for you to speak a little bit more about that. And then we'll talk about the filming. Absolutely. So like for millennia, the drums have been used in Japan to contact the gods and uh, to thank for harvest and to uh, scare away, so to speak, demons. And so a lot of what we're being lucky enough to learn from people is that, you know, how to use your energy and how to have presence and kind of call on positive energy. So I have this experience of the Herbie performance and the residency that we did two weeks in the dead of winter that right before COVID hit, that especially in Kali Osano's song, um, that we were um, basically, you're, we're drumming energy for me through my grounded cord to the center of the earth and then expanding positivity everywhere. And definitely, and Tiffany Tamari Bucci also in the film has for years done the demon drumming where um, people literally still do this in, on Sato Island in Japan where every new year there's a cart that goes through um, the town and they're drumming and dancing to rid everybody of negative spirits from the year before. So we are, some of us literally practicing those practices. Um, it's not just the drumming. So bringing heart and spirit and power as a group to shift negativity or whatever's happening. I almost feel like we we postponed the COVID <laughs> until we finished drumming and then it was like, bam, and came right in after us. <laughs> but I, I also think there's something about <clears throat> when you gather that kind of power in terms of, you know, each of the artists involved in the film, um, they were each kind of visionaries, sort of uh, legends in their, in their own spaces, right? In their own communities. And then bringing them together just brought a palpable energy into the room, period. And then when you think of like the filmmakers, like Don and Carrie are these like badass trailblazers in their own fields. And they brought into the space like this wonderful crew of um, queer, Asian, female, non-binary um, crew members and artists. And so together, we just kind of like exponentially created this unique space that made like exciting and rich and powerful things happen. It, it was, it was really fascinating because of course everyone has their own, you know, influence and, and philosophy and approach to their art. 
and and all of those differences and you know challenges were in the room too but this idea that collectively we are exponentially more powerful than we are on our own and i think we could have made like 18 films about each artist and how amazing they are in their path and their story but then just getting them into the same room together was such a powerful powerful feeling that i i think i or at least i hope that that kind of translates to the screen as well it does and it's beautiful And it makes me think of coal walking because when people walk on coals, you know, logic says, science says that they get burned, but there's always spectators watching. And a lot of people believe that it's the power. uh, Oh, and they've actually done scientific studies to monitor the people in the audience and their, their, um, their hearts go in sync with the person who's walking on the coals. So Yeah. So that's pretty neat. (laughs) So I would love for you to talk about bringing all these LGBT folks together in this community in the creation of this documentary and how was it similar and how was it different for the other films that you've made? And also Carrie, you're the director of uh, photography. Oh, I can talk about the, um, the people on screen being reflected behind the camera. Um, That was a belief system that I've had for a long time, but um, it kind of went supercharged with this film. Um, Jen and I had this conversation very early on that, you know, this needed, we need to to, uh, embody with this film what her beat was and that it couldn't just be, you know, this group of white ladies or white guys coming in and thinking they know how to tell the story, which is what happens all the time in documentary. That's that is the history of documentary, right? And and so it was like, so how do we how do we make not only a safe place for the participants so that they can be their full selves on camera, where they're like, I'm surrounded by people who get me, people who are you know have similar life experiences to me, um, and then you know also be able to lift up these these. Quite frankly, the film industry is full of women and non-binary and Asian and queer creators who are making amazing work and not being noticed or being seen as, as Jen calls it, a unicorn. And, you know, like, oh, they're really amazing, you know, not thinking that they are, uh, you know, they're they're an exception to the rule rather than, as as she points out, a proof of concept. Uh, and so we were bringing all these unicorns from the the film world together, you know, and I can't tell you the energy that this film has had from the beginning and continues to have because of these unicorns, because not only um, are they seen, not only are they respected for the work that they do and honored for that, but this is their lives too. You know, I see myself in this story. I see myself through being a parent, through being a queer mom, you know, through being an artist who was constantly told that, you know, (laughs) she in subtle ways that her gender was not appropriate for this room. Uh, And so, you know, I think that everybody on the team had that. And it makes a better story when the heart behind the film shares that. And you know, I, I plan to do this with every film moving forward. I think I, I've done it to some extent historically, but not on this level. And it is absolutely uh, career changing for me, I guess. 
Um, I just want to pipe in that one thing that both Don and Carrie brought that was <clears throat> really new to me is their approach to this being like, we need to do this cinema verite style. And I said, well, what's that? And they're like, well, that means like we're a fly on the wall. You live your life. We're not going to tell you how we're going to shoot or what we're going to light or what needs to happen. We're not going to interview you. You just live your life and we'll follow. We'll follow where life leads. And to me, that resonated so much because here are these these women and these artists who have labored so long in their field and have been stripped from the narrative that their voices and their stories aren't allowed to be centered in any space. They're almost like missing from the history of. And so, you know, as much as I wanted to spotlight them, I also didn't want to take the responsibility for telling their stories. So I love this approach in that the story emerges organically from the life that they're living. And so um, it was it just made so much sense to me that that now that we're finally bringing these narratives and these stories forward to join this larger picture of what is Tycho, what can Tycho be, what what is our human experience, that we are doing it in a way that's not, oh, I know what the story is, but more like just let's follow you and see what the story, what story emerges. And I think that approach is so um takes such a leap of faith because you don't know. You don't know where you're heading or where, where you're going to end. You you just jump on for the ride. My analogy is always that making starting a documentary film is like buying a really expensive one-way ticket to an unknown destination. And so we we knew where we thought that this was going and we knew there would be a struggle, but I think we didn't really fully understand how many struggles would emerge within the struggle. And that is not only um, for ourselves as filmmakers, but also for the women. And, and even though they were all divas and these amazing accomplished women, there was still doubt on their side about, am I good enough to be on the stage? And, you know, um, should I really be here? And I think that, um, for me, on the backside, for us to follow, we were just reveling in the permissions that we had, but then also at the same time, you know, really trying to be respectful of the cultural differences. And so for me, as the director of photography, I didn't speak Japanese. And so um, I had two fabulous primary second cameras um, who were women, who were people who um, do speak Japanese. And I thought that they would be helping to translate. But in reality, there was no time to translate. And if you stopped to translate, you would interrupt a scene or put yourself in a a moment that you wanted to stay back and be very silent and not be a part of. And so I think the fact that we were all women, we really came together and worked intuitively out of trust and um, believed in one another and just felt that we it was all going to be good. Like, you know, I had never worked with that kind of a crew before. 
And for the final performance, we had um, five people. And so one of the other groups that are represented behind the camera are people of color. I mean, we really had a lot of fantastic people behind the cameras, but Carolyn Mariko Stuckey in America and Shiho Fukada in Japan really brought such artistry and beauty to the film. And we worked together so well. And so for me, as a my first experience have as a co-director, Dawn has been a co-director before, but I never have. And to have this opportunity to work internationally, you know, this project has allowed me to grow as a person and as a filmmaker. And so I have tremendous gratitude for the whole process. Wow, that is very cool and very interesting, an interesting challenge to use your intuition and to try to do that whole fly on the wall thing and then let everybody go and and just (laughs) not ask any questions for about translation. Wow, that is, that's profound. That's very cool. Well, it's gorgeous. I mean, to get that lighting right, you know, with those dim, dimmer lights and, you know, to have people be illuminated still, it's just lovely (laughs) so much success to you thank you so much for creating this beautiful film any final thoughts or words Um, oh I I just want to say thank you and have people seek out your local Taiko group because you will find them to be a dynamic source of 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 wellness um, and artistry and community and also to, you know, to to follow us, to like us, to search us out, finding her beat. We're coming to Boston, October 15th, 16th, and we're spreading out from the country from there. So um, come find us. We, we would love to, to share this story with you. Thank you so much. Same Thank you. You, you. Thank you. You've been listening to Healing Wisdom at Outermost Radio. All of our shows are podcasts at WOMR.org. Also check out HealingWisdomRadioShow.com and contact me at Pandora at WOMR.org. Theme music is provided by Mazin. You can find her website at mazinmusic.com. That's M A E S Y N 